You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're going to offer an overflow from our Thursday Bible study. One of my favorite environments to teach in at Carterville is my Thursday morning Bible study. It used to be the Tuesday morning Bible study. It's hard to meet for me to adjust the date. So if I call it the Tuesday Bible study today, show me some grace. On Thursday mornings at 10, I gather in the fellowship hall with mostly some retired folks, and we just study the Bible a chapter at a time. We have been richly blessed as we've come back this fall to have Ron McLean helping with that Bible study. So Ron and I have been teaching through First Ruth and now First Samuel. And I have been really, really excited about what I've been learning. So as I read with our church family, I go home probably with more than they get. But I want to share a little bit uh, of what we've seen from one particular episode in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, the nation of Israel is very far from God. They have not been keeping the covenant the way that they should. The judges, that whole period was a train wreck. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes, and it just led to sin and more sin until Israel, God's people, began to behave more badly than the pagans around them. If you read the book of Judges, you'll get the picture for yourself. The whole thing ends in a bloodbath, a mess, a civil war. It is shameful. And 1 Samuel opens with the birth of a new prophet. Samuel, he's going to bring the word of God back to God's people. He'll bring some hope. It's not going to be perfect, but he at least points them in the right direction. Well, there's this scene in 1 Samuel where the Philistines and the Israelites are at war. And Eli the prophet has raised two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who are not good and godly priests. So the nation is going in the wrong direction for the next generation. These guys have been perverting the sacrifices. They've been becoming like rich and wealthy, caring more about themselves than they have caring for the people and interceding for God. Well, under this kind of spiritual corruption, with no leadership, no faithfulness to the covenant, the people of Israel are not walking with God. But now they're at war, and on the battlefield they want to win. And so they decide to pull out the ark of God. And in long story made short, they're going to lose it. But I want to tell you what happens. I want to read 1 Samuel chapter 4. I want to set up the scene of the battle and share with you a couple of things that we've learned from this. Now the Israelites went out to fight against the Philistines. The Israelites camped at Ebenezer and the Philistines at Aphek. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel, and as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. When the soldiers returned to the camp, the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord bring defeat on us today before the Philistines? All right, I'm going to pause and answer that. Well, the reason is the Lord is not fighting for them anymore. Like In the Exodus generation, you saw that when God fought for Israel, Israel won. Right When Moses held his hand up on the cliff, Joshua's armies were successful. When Moses let his arms down, they lost. Why? Because God wanted them to see what a difference he made on the battlefield when he was protecting his people. But they are not keeping his covenant, and God's not fighting for them anymore. God's watching from the sidelines. 
So the Philistines are winning, and they ask, why has God let this happen? And I know that you and I sometimes do the same thing. We look up and say, why did God let this happen to me? And, and I'm not pretending that the things that happen in our lives are God's punishment or just that God is watching from the sidelines and neutral. But I can tell you that in 1 Samuel, the Israelites have not kept the covenant with God. They're not walking with God. But despite their lack of holiness, they're not set apart to the Lord. Despite their lack of devotion, their lack of interest in the covenant, their lack of relationship with God, they still want to evoke God's power to come and solve their problems. So they're not walking with God, but they still want God's help. So what they're going to do is they're going to go and take the ark from the holy of holies and bring it to the battlefield, hoping that when the ark comes, God's good luck charm will work for them. Now, as God taught the Israelites about how to handle the ark, it's supposed to be in the Holy of Holies, and the high priest is supposed to go in there once a year, unless the ark is moving. And at this point, the tabernacle is in shallow. It's set up and established. It's not moving. The tabernacle's not moving through the wilderness right now. They're taught that God's glory is manifested over the ark on what's called the mercy seat, over the lid of the ark. And so they assume that if that's where God's presence is, they'll drag him to the battlefield and he'll have to fight for them like a good luck charm. Let me read this. Let us bring the ark of the Lord of the covenant from the shallow so that he may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. Like if he's not going to come spiritually to help us, we'll go get the ark and he'll have to be here. I guess that's what they're thinking. Well, Ron McLean pointed out to our group that, you know, when they came into the promised land to fight the battle of Jericho, they walked around the city with the ark of God, blowing trumpets and worshiping, not fighting with swords, but watching God fight for them. And it could be that this generation thinks, hey, let's see if we can get the spiritual power of our ancestors without having to live a, a life of faithfulness and commitment to God. And so they're hoping that God will do what he did at Jericho, even though this generation has not humbled themselves as Israel did before the Lord at the end of the Exodus. Well, let's see how it goes. So the people sent men to Shiloh, and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Okay, so Israel's super excited when the Ark comes. A quick point. Listen, I love emotion and worship. I'm very emotional around the Lord. When I talk about Jesus, when I think about our church, I get very emotional. I like to shout. I like to sing. I like to be excited. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with emotion when I worship. But let me make a clear point. Just being emotional is not the same as worship. Emotion is not the same as faithfulness. So here comes the ark of God into camp, and it sounds like revival breaks out. Everybody's singing and shouting, their spirits are lifted, but they're still looking at the ark of God as a good luck charm that can work for them in the spiritual way like it did their ancestors, but they're not walking with God. So it's not going to work. So despite the mountaintop emotional experience they're having in camp, they're not ready to worship God. Because no matter what they're saying or boasting or feeling, they're not walking with God. With their poor spiritual leadership from Hophni and Phinehas, with the Word of God being silent among them, they are not worshiping God. Because they're not obeying Him when they leave the camp. They're not obeying Him with their wife and their children and their jobs. They're not obeying Him in their worship. 
And so here, this moment when the ark comes into the camp and they start to shout and holler, I mean, it's a frenzy, but it's not worship. Watch. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what is this shouting in the Hebrew camp? And when they learned that the ark of the, of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp, they said. Oh no, nothing like this has happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? God's plural in their mind. Sad to me that Israel has not represented the Lord well enough to their neighbors for their neighbors to know that the God of heaven and earth is one. Well, long story short, the ark of God falls into the Philistines' hands. And when Eli hears that the ark has been captured, he falls over dead. Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's children, they're killed, just as prophecies to Samuel had predicted. They died on the same day, and Eli's line has ended. There was a grandchild born to Eli on that day, and he was named Ichabod, which means there is no glory. Because with the loss of the ark, it seems truly like the glory of God has left Israel. And it's going to stay out of their camp for seven months. Church family, what do we learn from the story? Well, my primary lesson for us is that I want us to walk in a covenant with God and experience His glory and His presence among us legitimately. I don't want us to wait until we're in a pickle and then with no sacrifice or sanctified living, with no legitimate worship having gone before us, expect that we can beg for God's help and use Him like a good luck charm. Now, here's the truth. He loves His children. He does answer those prayers. So often God comes in grace and answers our prayers when we're in a pickle, though we didn't deserve it. So don't hear me saying that God's grace won't blow you away. But what I am telling us is that for people of God's covenant, sons and daughters redeemed by Jesus, we know how to walk with Christ. We know how to enjoy His company, how to be set apart and devoted to Him. And we should be living that way. And we should be able to know that God is with us, not like a good luck charm, but like a heavenly father in whom we abide.